Well, happy Easter. Hopefully you're doing well. Thank you for taking the time to watch or listen to this. So look, we're a year into this pandemic, and the message of Easter is just as relevant to us today as it was last year. Because the events of Easter are relevant because they address our greatest fears. Some of us, we've had fears with like, when's this going to end? Or is my family going to be safe? Can we trust those in charge? Because they go back and forth on issues. And why did God allow this to happen in the first place? And if God allowed this, does he not care about us? And then where do we go from here? Like, is it really the mark of the beast and all this crazy stuff? Like, a lot of us are fearful. Some of us, we feel like our hope has been stolen from us. But think about it. The same fears that we have are the same fears that Jesus' followers had. They were asking questions like, when is this going to end? When are we going to stop being judged for following Jesus, who obviously wasn't the Messiah? Or is our family going to be welcomed back in the Jewish synagogue? Can we trust those in charge? Why did God allow Jesus to die? If God allowed this, does he not care about us? And then where do we go from here? See, when Jesus died, their hope died. When Jesus died, nobody believed that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, or the Savior of the world. Jesus did some amazing miracles, but no one expected him to raise himself from the dead. Everyone knows that death is final. Like Lazarus, that was a one-off miracle. Death is then and now final. Everyone knows that when someone dies, there's no coming back. When Jesus died, there were no Christians because there was no Christ. Jesus' followers were sad. They were hurt. They were confused. They were grieving. They lost hope. Joseph and Nicodemus, when they took Jesus' lifeless body off the cross and placed it in the tomb, they went home. They weren't camping out. They weren't doing the countdown outside of the tomb. See, no one was planning on keeping the Jesus movement moving because there's no sustainability when there's no hope. Like, it's hard to, to keep sustained when you no longer hope. And that's where they were. They no longer hoped. They lost hope. And it seemed that Jesus was not who he claimed to be, the Messiah. And that was the issue. Like, Jesus was a master teacher. But that's not what kept his movement going. It is not what, that, was, that wasn't the glue of his movement the glue of his movement is who he claimed to be. See, Jesus claimed to have the authority to forgive sins. Who does that? God. Jesus claimed to be greater than Moses and the temple and the Sabbath. Who can claim that? God. Peter and the remaining disciples didn't choose to stay with Jesus only because of what he taught, but if what he taught or what he claimed was true, that meant that they were in the presence of the long-awaited Messiah. This was a big deal for fishermen from Galilee, a tax collector and a religious zealot. This was a big deal. Now, here's an example of why they were with Jesus because of who he claimed to be. There was this incident in John 6, and Jesus fed 5,000 people with a lunch. And then his disciples, they go on the southern part of the Galilee, and they get to the other side, and Jesus is again teaching. And then he claims to be the bread of life. And it, he's come down from heaven. And the crowd's like, no, no, you haven't. Like, we know your parents. <laughs> There's no way. But that didn't stop Jesus. He kept talking about who he was. 
And the crowd begins to thin out as Jesus talks about drinking his blood and eating his flesh. It was definitely a hyperbole. But notice what happens next. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? And so Jesus asked his disciples, hey, are you going to leave too? And what Peter didn't say is just as important as what he did say. Lord, I mean, who else are we going to follow? You're an amazing teacher. Look, let's be honest, this morning was a little bit off. It was rough. This wasn't your best message, but we really believe it was a one-off. I mean, even King David had his bad days too. One bad message isn't, isn't a reason to leave you. That's not what he said. Actually, here's what Peter said. He said, Lord, to whom will we go? Who are we going to follow? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Apparently, in that moment, when they saw his lifeless body, that claim no longer mattered. See, everybody expected Jesus to do what dead people do. Stay dead. He was, no one was standing outside the tomb, counting down to zero. Nobody was expecting nobody. And one reason to trust the Bible is the fact that these disciples, who were die-hard believers, doubted. They were die-hard believers, and they doubted. They never rewrote the story. As we read the story, no one went back and said, Yeah, we believe the whole time. No, instead they were honest. And that builds credibility to the scriptures. It was them against a corrupt religious system, a heartless empire, a relieved Roman governor, and a seemingly empty promise of their leader. It was them versus the world. And then something happened. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. His buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, you may know the song, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on him, nor you, nor me. See, today we celebrate the event that launched the movement, Christianity, and produced our Bible that provides you and I hope. See, the collection of letters and books that compiled and formed our Bible happened 300 years after the resurrection. So before that first Bible went into circulation, we had letters and copies of those letters written from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, and Paul. And they circulated the local churches and people couldn't wait to read these because each of these men saw the resurrected Jesus and wrote about it. They wanted to tell about it because these men believed that it was a story worth telling everyone. Let's, let's read Peter's take. For more than 30 years, he tells the story. He's awaiting execution in Rome and Mark is with him and Maybe Mark leans over to him and, and says, Peter, would you mind just telling us one more time? Could you tell us one more time the events of what happened? And Peter leans over, Mark's ready to write down, and this is what is said and written. When it was already evening, because it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went to Pilate, and asked for Jesus' body. Mark, you, we, we, none of us ever expected that. And Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Somebody in the centurion, he asked whether he already died. And when he found out that 
from the centurion, he gave the corpse to Joseph. After he bought some linen cloth, Joseph took him down and wrapped him in linen. Then he laid him in a tomb, cut out of the rock, rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph were watching where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Shalom, bought spices. Then they went to anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb for us? And looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. He said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. He's not here. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. The women, they ran, they told the disciples, and then the disciples listened, and they went to Galilee, and they met Jesus, and they had breakfast with Jesus on the beach. And perhaps that was the very spot where their story began as Jesus invited them to follow him. Look, you might be a follower of Jesus. And if you are, Peter would assure you that your faith, your sacrifice, your generosity, your love, and your hope is not in vain. It's worth being a follower of Jesus, but yet you, you may not be convinced. And Peter would say, me too. I was lost. I lost hope. And then something happened. Jesus rose from the dead and it changed everything. And then I finally understood what he meant. The time has come. The kingdom of heaven has come near, repent, and believe the good news. And Peter would tell you that God has done something for you because God is for you. He wants you to receive the good news and accept his invitation to follow. See, Jesus brought the kingdom of God to earth, and everyone is invited to participate in it. The message of Easter has never been more relevant than it is today. The hope that we have because of the resurrection overcomes our greatest fears. God has given us hope instead of fear. Because of the resurrection, we're able to walk through life without fear. Remember how we ask questions like, when is this going to end? Man, I'm not sure. We're not sure. But just as he has a plan with the resurrection, he has a plan with all of this. Is my family going to be safe? Most likely, yeah. But thankfully, we have the resurrection that is able to allow us to overcome the impossible because that's what the resurrection did. It overcame the impossible. Can we trust those in charge? Yeah, I'll let you answer that. <laughs> the resurrection shows, though, that God is ultimately in charge. Yet good people who thought they were doing the good thing, a good thing, but yet God used a really bad thing for good. Why would God allow this? And I'm not, I'm not sure. But just like with the resurrection, it provided salvation for us. Like with the disciples, it was an opportunity to trust God, his character, his plan, his purpose. And if God allowed, allows us, does he care? Yeah. If he didn't care, he wouldn't know 
resurrected Jesus. He, he obviously cares. And the disciples weren't left without any hope. They were given the Holy Spirit to keep going, to keep moving forward. So here's the last question I, I want you to ask. Where do you go from here? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you fail stale. You feel like your, your, your spiritual growth, it's just stale. Like, uh, you have an opportunity to recommit yourself. Recommit yourself because the resurrection allows us to overcome. And then maybe for you, you're, you're not convinced. Man, we, we would love to have that conversation with you of what it would look like to follow Jesus, what it would look like to make him the leader of your life. See, this Easter, I hope that the resurrection becomes more relevant than ever before, because it is. Heavenly Father, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for what Easter means, that because of the resurrection, we are no longer a slave to sin, we're no longer a slave to fear, that we can overcome what seems the, like the impossible in our lives because of the resurrection, because you, you are working the impossible. God, thank you for making what seems to be impossible, possible. The resurrection changes everything. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. And I ask that those who are followers of Jesus would recommit their life to you for those who are yet convinced they would have the courage to have that conversation of what would this look like to follow. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen.